Hello, everyone, and welcome to a uh, very special Advent edition of the Monday Check-In. Um, my name is Damon Jensen-Heitman. I am one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, uh, joined by, and this is going to get confusing because normally there's just two, and so when I say that, the other person just goes, but I feel as though I'm going to have to give more direction this time, uh, joined by Kylie. Kylie, are you there? I am. Hi, Damon. And and who are you? I'm Kylie Winberg, Parish Associate. Glad to be here today. Okay. And also joined by Greg. I'm also glad to be here today. Uh, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church and uh, excited for what this Monday check-in has in store for us, particularly because we get to pick on Kylie. <laughs> Uh, so for those who don't know, the Monday check-in is we do a thing that we do every week, most every week at First Press. We take a look at the scripture that uh, is going to be used, would be used for worship the coming Sunday. And we have a little engaging conversation about that, a little mini Bible study, if you will. And then we switch gears and we share some stuff about the life of the church um, we have a special segment today that you'll want to stick around for if you're listening or watching. Uh, Kylie is joining us. She's going to lead us through one of the five for five activities that she's been uh, leading the congregation through uh, during the course of Advent. So uh, you'll want to stick around for that for sure. So uh, what else? Is it time for the opening prayer? I think so. Okay. All right, let's pray. Loving and faithful God, we give you thanks for our church family and for the unique ways in which you are helping us to stay connected to you and to one another, including this Monday check-in. Guide our conversation and our um, in exploration of the scripture before us. Grant us insights that honor you and challenge us to be the people you call us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have two scripture readings that we're going to share this morning. Maybe we'll talk about both of them. Maybe we won't. One of them, at least, no one really seems to know how or why it's here. <laughs> There's debate amongst the trio of us gathered as to just what exactly this is doing here. Uh, we'll let you, all the listeners decide who's, who's responsible for this. <laughs> so it comes to us from, yeah, go ahead. But to point out, it is the it's the it's the assigned lectionary text uh, for this Sunday, uh, but it's the psalm, and it's rare that we use the psalm as fodder for the Monday check-in or fodder for the sermon. We usually, at least when I'm writing liturgy, I usually incorporate the psalm as part of the call to worship or part of one of the other prayers, so that we get a taste of that psalm on that Sunday. But this Sunday, it somehow became the focal uh, focal scripture we think for Sunday and it made its way into the Advent devotional guide that way too. Though I, I don't intend to actually make it the focal scripture for my sermon Sunday, unless, unless we develop some really profound insights during the Monday check-in at which point I will shift and I will make the Psalm the focal scripture of my sermon on Sunday. Fair enough. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> uh, so this is Psalm 89, uh, verses 1 through 4, and then skipping ahead to verses 19 through 26. 
It reads something along these lines. <clears throat> I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth, I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. Then you spoke in a vision to your faithful one and said, I have set the crown on the one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. My hand shall always remain with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and steadfast love will be with him. And in my name, his horn shall be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. And there ends that reading from Psalm. And also from uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 26. Should I read this or does someone else want to? Sounds like I'm going to read it. Okay. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So those are our scripture passages. Kylie and Greg, what do you got? We have a contrast in kings and kingdoms. That's the thing that jumps out at me here. And so in Psalm, we're describing the reign of King David. Um, and then in the Luke passage, uh, we're describing... The lineage of King David, but a new king will come, which will be different than that king. Um, and and I find that interesting. Um, we talked a little bit about the the lectionary. This, this group of biblical scholars got together and and assigned texts to each Sunday, and and we Presbyterians generally follow that. We will sometimes veer off of it a little bit. So so this group of of biblical scholars said we should put this Psalm and this Luke passage on this this fourth Sunday of Advent. 
Um, and what I see there is a contrast in kings. I also see a, a profound uh, statement of God's steadfast love and faithfulness in the psalm, which is uh, when you fast forward that to the annunciation of, of the angel telling Mary what's going to happen, you got to hope that steadfast faithfulness and love is there because Mary's Mary's getting quite an announcement dropped in her lap. And so it's only with a faith, a trust in God of God's steadfast love and faithfulness, I think that Mary can accept what this angel has told her. Yeah, I, I definitely keyed in also to the kings and kingdoms concept that you that you brought up greg and i i note that the psalm um rehearses a number of the promises that are made to david you know my your your, your i will be with your descendants forever build your throne for all generations and so on and so forth and it's as though um jesus is inheriting those same promises the angel Gabriel kind of promises them again to Mary. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and is of his kingdom. There will be no end. So in both passages, we get this sense of God's faithfulness establishing this lineage in an, in an forever sort of way. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to think about what these, what these kingdoms are supposed to look like. Right. Um, so, so David is is God's chosen one. Uh, he gets anointed with oil, I think, at some point. Yeah, <clears throat> with my holy oil, I have anointed him. Yeah. So, David is the the person that God has chosen to do God's work um, on on earth. Right. To that God will be with David, and David is to carry out the work of God. Right. Um, and, and I find that to be an important reminder related, I think, to both of these passages that, um, whether we're talking kings or kingdom or whatever, like somebody's got to do this stuff. <laughs> somebody's got to, somebody's got to carry out the acts of righteousness and the acts of justice and the acts of love and, and all that sort of thing. I, I wrote in the Advent devotional or what will be next week, um, a, a part of a relayed part of a poem by Howard Thurman called The Work of Christmas um, that puts the, the focus and the reminder on somebody's got to do this. <laughs> um, somebody's got to feed the hungry. Somebody's got to tend to the poor. Somebody's, um, for these kingdoms to be established, I, I guess I could say, oh, I'm going to establish a kingdom and establish it. And nothing would change if I didn't actually do something about it. Yeah, that's, I like that, Damon. And, and so in this season of Advent, we're anticipating the birth of Christ and, and, and Christ's triumphant return someday. We recognize that for a period in time, for three years of Jesus' earthly ministry, he was the one enacting that vision of God's kingdom. And he was talking about it a lot too, right? Telling parables and stories, but also doing the work. Um, and encouraging those around him to do the work. Um, and then Christ was tried and crucified and resurrected. And Christ left specific instructions to his followers that you are now empowered and called 
to do that kingdom building work. And so th there is this string that, that starts in the Old Testament where David is established as king and the kingdom should look like this. It's a kingdom of righteousness and justice and fairness for uh, particularly for the marginalized. And then, and then that follows through to Jesus' birth and then death and resurrection. And then Jesus, um, Jesus calling us right through the great commission, through the double love command, all of that, that, that there's a, there's a line here. And, uh, I love the, the Howard Thurman, uh, poem or prayer that, that you quote in the Advent devotional that that's one of my favorites because it just says the work of Christmas is not done on Christmas day. It's just beginning. Yeah, I think what you're both bringing up is, is so true and, and true to the biblical witness um, that our call and our um, opportunity to be co-laborers with God and with Christ is such an honor as humans. That being said, I do want to push back on um, the, the particular wording here in Psalm 89 because I don't see that as much in this psalm. I see the human role as being to sing, to declare to praise. And it's really, at least in the words of this psalmist, it's God that's doing all the work. My hand will strengthen him. I will crush his foes. My name will be exalted. I will do this. I will do that. And it's, and it's really God at work that accomplishes the great things. And the human role really is not to, not so much the carrier out, carry outer <laughs> of the great work of the kingdom, but the one who observes that God is at work in the world and attributes to God the glory due God's name. And that's, that's one, of my one of the challenges that I, that I ran into as I was thinking about this psalm in advance of this conversation, because it's a little bit of a different worldview than how we operate with. I mean, in terms of really being able to see and name God's action in the world, um, it's, it was the people of, of the time of the psalmists saw the gods, many gods, actually, um, in, at least in the cultures around them, as working differently than how we think of God. And so there's a little bit of challenge there in, um, I guess, translating to our time. And, and I'm not sure what the right answer is on that exactly, although I do think that it is still our role as humans to praise God and to recognize that um, anything that we we do is through the power and the strength of God and not of our own accord. Yeah, I don't think the two are, are quite as mutually exclusive as, as you make them out to be, Kylie. I think that the notion of the proclamation of God's faithfulness and the declaration of God's steadfast love, we do that in word and in deed. Um, and I think um, by just saying it, without living it, it's not a very authentic witness. Um, and so I think, yes, God is the primary actor. We are co-workers or co-laborers with God in that we are called to proclaim God's faithfulness. We are called to declare God's steadfast love. And we do that in word and in deed, right? We talk about um, both the, the words and the actions. And so I, I see what you're saying and, and you're right. Uh, you're absolutely correct in naming a sort of a fundamentally different worldview um, uh, of, of the psalmist uh, and how that has evolved over time, certainly evolved uh, through, the, through the birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Um, and so there, there is an evolution of, of thinking here that I think uh, is, is an important one to name. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Damon? 
I think also uh, there's a word in, in verse three that plays a role in this as well. And it's covenant. Um, I have made my covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant, David, and that covenant is an agreement that both sides enter into. Uh, and both sides, like there's, there's clear expectations of both sides um, to, to live up to the agreement. And, and so, you know, as long as, you know, the theological thinking was as long as folks are, are holding up their end of this covenant with God, as long as they're keeping the commandments of God, um, then God will remain faithful to them and preserve them from their enemies and uh, do all these things <laughs> that are, that are outlined here. Um, and, and I think if, if we think of sort of that covenantal bond between God and the people um, that adds in um, a, a layer of expectation. I don't know if that's quite the right word or not, but there's this sense that, um, yeah, you, you have to keep the, you have to keep the commandments. Um, and course, you know, later on, Jesus says, well, all the commandments can be summed up by love your neighbor as yourself and love God with your whole being. Um, I don't know, that's maybe a little overly simplistic, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think, but I think that that sense of mutual obligation, maybe, um, to one another, for, for people to be about the things of God and uh, for God to be about the things of people, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point that um, <clears throat> it is covenant and and it is there is the expectation that the humans um, uphold their end of the bargain. And at least in the time of the psalmist, that was understood in a relatively literal way through laws and sacrifices and all those prescriptive behaviors. Um, and if you read the rest of the psalm, you see that um, some of these promises almost seem as though they're not fulfilled or that they're abandoned by God. I mean, the, the king does, in fact, um, get beaten by, its, by his enemies and, and the, the kingdom goes, goes away and, and there's, there's a lot of suffering and so forth. And the, the people of, of that time could kind of explain that in terms of, well, humans didn't uphold their end of the bargain and, and the, the covenant and God was just in um, allowing the king's kingdom to fail. Um, it's interesting though, when we see those same, um, we see kind of a foreshadowing of that in the Luke passage of, um, you know, the same promises come to Jesus. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so um, once again, the, the people hearing that maybe um, would have thought again of sort of a warrior king, a, a kingdom that um, will exist in a political sense and um, and have no end. But of course, we know the end of the story it doesn't work like that. Jesus suffers and dies. And um, I think the point, the way those two connect is that um, the New Testament version of that um, has, we, we know that we can read that and see that and witness to that part of history through the lens of God's redemption through Christ's um, life, death, and resurrection, um, that 
it's not really just up to us to uphold our end of the covenant because we can't. <laughs> We're humans. We are going to fail. And therefore, we need a, someone to stand in our stead and to be righteous um, for us. And, um, and that's what Jesus does. And that's the way in which the kingdom reigns forever in this. It, it, it's in a whole, again, it's in a different worldview than, than what the people expected and, and thought they wanted, but ultimately is for humans good that it works out this way. Yeah. Naming the different worldview, Kylie, I think is, is accurate. And probably here 2000 years later, it, it is even that much more radically of a different worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in this kingdom that is being established that we celebrate every season of Advent, uh, which is a kingdom which is, is, is punctuated by a reign of peace, uh, which obviously we look around the world and we don't see. And it's punctuated, well, like our, our Advent themes, right? Of, of peace, hope, joy, and love. And uh, it feels like those can be in short supply. Um, and our, our call as the people of God are to both look for where those things are happening in the world, look where God is at work, creating pockets or, or, or breaking God's kingdom in of, of hope and peace and love and joy, and also to be co-workers or collaborators with God in bringing about these sort of kingdom values. Um, but certainly these kingdom values are counter-cultural uh, and, and not having lived in first century Palestine, <laughs> Uh, I would say they're pretty countercultural in our in our society and culture today. And what we read about first century Palestine and Roman imperial rule, they were pretty countercultural then too. That hasn't changed. And so we see in this a call to uh, to align ourselves with a countercultural kingdom, um, not not a kingdom of of warring generals and powerful rulers, but a kingdom that that truly is defined by compassion and empathy and care and and sort of weakness strength is found in that in that kind of weakness in in the very birth of a child in a manger right in those in the what we're about to celebrate the most humble beginnings of this king who is not a warrior king but is a a shepherd king right yeah yeah i think um you know if a person we're gonna we're gonna preach on these sorts of things seems that they could go a couple different directions, right? You could, you could give a sermon that was sort of focused on what is it? What do we do when it feels as though this kingdom doesn't exist or when it feels as though this kingdom has fallen apart in some sort of a way? And maybe this is all one sermon, right? Um, and another direction that you could go with the sermon is how do we, how do we do this work of proclaiming uh, the kingdom uh, here and now, how do we do the work of, of singing the, the glory of this, these otherly values um, as well? It's, there's lots of opportunities here, Greg. What are you going to do? Man, I think if someone was to preach a sermon on this, you've just given some really good uh, sermon prompts there, Damon. <laughs> Boy, am I grateful for you. <laughs> well, they all came from Kylie's questions, so... It's, um, and, and that is one of Kylie's greatest strengths among men. I think that's me. Five practices, right? Sure. So um, as some folks, some of you listeners, and of course my co-conversationalists this morning know, I've been 
proposing prayer practices, one per week, um, or spiritual practices, let's say, um, one per week in an attempt to equip folks with some new ways of finding God in their lives. Um, the prayer practices, um, they vary and they're gonna continue to vary as we go forward. Some of them kind of lighthearted and involving the imagination and um, creative thinking. Some of them in the future more so will involve more meditative practices and so forth. I think it's important for people to remember that prayer is not the same thing as just saying prayers. Prayer is any way in which we open ourselves to recognizing God and learning about God and connecting with God. And, and often that's through scripture or through um, one another or through worship, but sometimes it can be through really unique and surprising um, avenues as well. And hopefully um, this week's prayer practice will be one of those more unique ones. Um, so the idea of these five or why it's called five for five is because the challenge for each listener is to use um, five minutes a day for at least five days a week to just try this practice. And if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't resonate with you, no problem. There'll be a different one next week. Just give it a try. It's a short amount of time. So for this week, the idea is to begin with your Advent devotional booklet, find the prayer for the day and read it and just let your heart kind of connect with the prayer, however that may be. Um, should I go ahead and read the prayer for today or yeah? Okay. Sure. All right, so I, not intentionally, but for whatever reason, the prayer for today is actually written by Kylie Winberg. <laughs> so anyway, indwelling God, Jesus dedicated himself to Isaiah's vision and you have called us to join in this work as well. Jesus did not finish the work described in the Isaiah passage and neither will we finish it. And yet you call us to join in anyway. And not only to join in, but to rejoice in the assurance that your vision for a just and peaceful world, despite all evidence to the contrary, eventually will come to pass. This Advent, we recommit to doing our part, joining those who work to bring your vision to fruition, humbly accepting that we will not see the end results in our lifetime, and rejoicing that the hope and salvation of humanity do not rest upon our success, but upon your faithfulness. Amen. And so um, for your five minutes, you'd begin by reading that and then just thinking a little bit about that. What does this mean to not finish the work? What, what work are we talking about? And so then you might go back to the passage for the Isaiah passage. Oh, the work. Um, to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and so on. Okay, so um, my call is to join in that work. Okay. Um, and my call is to hope because I'm, I'm not seeing evidence that this work is actually accomplishing anything. Maybe I look around the world and I see a lot of oppression and captivity and so forth. Um, and then um, the line, we can rejoice that the hope and salvation of humanity do not rest upon our success, but upon your faithfulness. And for me, that's, that's a, that makes me just want to kind of stop and take a deep breath and kind of have a different perspective. This is a bigger picture than, than I can finish, but I'm called to be a part of it and what an honor that is, but I don't have to do it all myself. 
So, I mean, that's, that's maybe the way I would process that prayer. You guys might process it differently and pick out different lines or phrases that connect with your heart. But at any rate, that, that's the first step of this, this five-minute practice. The next step then is to notice the suggested item for donation for the day. And for today, that happens to be deodorant. And remember, we're collecting all these various items to um, donate to our um, partners in the community that help people in need. Um, so anyway, you notice the, what the item is, and then you ask the question of yourself, hmm, how is this item like God? So how is deodorant like God, or how is God like deodorant? And then, again, we're in the spirit of prayer here, so we're going to engage our imaginations in a prayerful way and say, God, reveal to me, how, how are you like deodorant? What does this mean for me? So I'll, ask, I'll pose that question to you guys. What comes to mind? So when you remember to put on deodorant, you know you're not going to sweat too much and have stinky underarms. And so you have confidence. And yeah. I think uh, trusting in deodorant can give you confidence that you it will get through the day without offending people. Uh, or with, with you, yeah, right? And so to me, God in that sense is like deodorant because God gives me confidence to get through my day. God even if I'm walking into a situation that I'm unsure about, God provides me confidence if I if I lean on God and recognize that God is at work in those places. How's that? Beautiful. A plus. Yes. Damon, what do you got? I didn't I didn't make it all the way to confidence. I so I mean the I think the act of putting on deodorant reminds me of let's say my shortcomings, right? Uh, or imperfection. Though you could argue that sweat is actually pretty great and is not something that we should be hiding and covering up, but and it, regardless. Um, and I think, but I think that there is something about God that reminds me of, of my shortcomings, of the ways that I don't live up to, um, to up to perfection, I suppose, right? Um, but then the deodorant also provides uh, some sort of solution to that shortcoming, right? Uh, is absolution the right word to use here? I'm not 100% sure, right? I think solution um, was good. Let's not go with absolution. <laughs> I don't, okay. And then, but in the same way, God sort of offers that as well, right? That, um, uh, well, if, if my shortcoming is, um, I'm jealous of someone, right? Um, then God can offer me a way of sort of stepping outside of that jealousy to maybe look at that person more compassionately or look at myself more compassionately um, that, that provides some sort of um, relief, I suppose, <laughs> uh, to that problem, real or perceived. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I came up this morning as I was thinking about this, a number of different ideas about how God is like deodorant came to mind. And I'll just lift up one. Um, I like the smell of deodorant. I always choose deodorant based on the smell and I, I like the smell of it. And it reminds me that God's creation delights my senses in so many ways. Um, it, just looking around me, I'm looking out my windows right now, I see the beauty of the snow and the trees, and I hear the voices of the kids at the school just across um, the way, and God delights my senses. God's creation is good and wonderful. 
and I'm struck, of course, as probably you guys are as well, by the just the coolness of how God, how, how we each process this so differently. And I think that's, that's the beauty of a very simple spiritual practice like this. God speaks to us in ways that are meaningful to us. And as, you know, as Damon's reminded that there's a solution to his shortcomings, as Greg is reminded that he can be confident in God being with him through everything, as I'm reminded to take joy in the beauty of God's creation, God's revealing God's self to us each uniquely and through something as simple as reflection on deodorant. That's what I invite you to do this week. Just let God speak to you in new ways. Us Presbyterians tend to be very wordy and very theoretical, and that's good, and there's no, no, nothing wrong with that, but sometimes we can benefit and find a lot of spiritual value and spiritual growth in opening ourselves to new ways of knowing, because there are many ways of knowing that are available to us. And so as we close this, this um, example of, of doing the five for five, we would then maybe say a quick prayer to God, thanking God for revealing himself to us in these unique ways. And we'd commit ourselves to then watching for God through the rest of the day. This is in theory, something we do for five minutes at the beginning of the day. We can continue to look for God in deodorant-ish ways throughout the whole day. And God, in God's great goodness and generosity, I think will meet us in our efforts. So there's a five for five for you folks. <laughs> Have fun with it. And Damon, didn't we say Kylie asks the best questions that lead to the most interesting conversations? And mm -hmm. here we have proof of that yet again, Kylie. Thank you for your gift of asking good questions and for sharing that gift with our beloved church family. Thank you. Really. Yes. All right. Well, it's time to shift gears again. A few things going on in the life of times of First Pres Hastings. Uh, forums. I can tell you, uh, Dan, I think just finished up a, a two-part series on Messianic expectations of uh, first century Jewish belief and how Jesus fit into those or didn't. Uh, we'll get those up and posted to YouTube very soon. Um, so folks can go to YouTube and find those and also past forums as well. Um, Greg, what else should we know about? Well, just a plug for those two. For those of you who have worshipped with us in the last three weeks, we've uh, done a couple of sermons on Isaiah prophecies. And uh, believe it or not, we intentionally aligned that with our adult ed forum doctor, taught by Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh. And so uh, if you enjoyed the sermons or got something out of the sermons, uh, we will invite you and we'll send out the links to these uh, forums that Dr. Deffenbaugh did on um on messianic expectations found in Isaiah, because it it all tied together in a really beautiful way this Advent, and particularly since we're uh, remote, this is the way for us to continue to to learn and grow in our faith. And so um, we will push those out to you and invite you to watch them. They run just under an hour, and they're certainly worth uh, worth your time. So, what else have we got going on? We uh, this Thursday we're going to do something called a Blue Christmas Service. Uh, this is a service that uh, focuses on folks who are experiencing grief in the midst of this holiday season, uh, particularly people who have had a big loss in the last year. Uh, normally, we would invite people to come down to the church, and there's a candlelighting ritual, and there's some other things. Uh, because of, of COVID, we're going to be doing it remotely. So this Thursday at 7.30 p.m., uh, we invite you to tune in on Facebook Live for the Blue Christmas service. This is an ecumenical service that's led by uh, five different pastors from around town, uh, including myself and, and Pastor Damon. 
Um, and so definitely worth your while if, uh, if you are experiencing grief or just sadness during this holiday season, um, we offer that to you. Uh, this next Saturday is United Harvest and we do need volunteers for that. Kylie, can you tell us details about how to volunteer for that? Best way to help us out is if you can go to the United Harvest Facebook page and there will be a link on there um, for signing up for volunteering. It's like a sign up genius link. And that will give you the choice of op volunteering to help with cart pulling or being out in the helping with the parking lot or maybe with cleanup. We need people in all the different areas and, and it really helps us if you can sign up in advance. And if you don't have access to Facebook, call the church office and we can uh, we can get you signed up that way too. So please, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna need a lot of volunteers uh, this Saturday. Uh, it is, uh, Hastings College is out and oftentimes we get a lot of volunteers from Hastings College. And also we've discovered that the need is great uh, for this mobile food pantry and uh, continues to grow. So uh, yeah. One more thing on that line, um, we do because uh, because of COVID, we do a drive-through method rather than having people come into the building. And so a lot of our volunteers spend a significant amount of time outside and it's cold. So please, 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 if you're volunteering, come well-dressed because we need you to be able to be in the cold. Thank you in advance. Yeah. Yep. And, and we may need additional volunteers to swap out depending on how cold it is. Though the forecast is not looking terrible. So we're, we're grateful for that. We'll hope that holds. Um, what else? Uh, Sunday uh, will be the fourth Sunday of Advent. I may or may not be preaching on the psalm and the Luke passage, <laughs> but it's actually our service of lessons and carols as well. So there will be a lot of uh, beloved Christmas music um, and reading of different scripture passages that tell the Christmas story by the youth of our church who are getting those videos recorded and sent in. So it should be a delightful service. Um, following the service at noon on Sunday, we're going to do a parking lot hymn sing. So if you really, really want to sing out loud with members of your church family, come on down to the church parking lot at noon on Sunday, and we'll do a hymn sing in the parking lot with face masks and social distancing observed. But it's a great chance to get together with your church family during this uh, Advent season. And then uh, looking ahead, Thursday, December 24th is Christmas Eve. Uh, we're not gonna be doing a Christmas Eve service in our building instead, we're going to be doing a Christmas Eve service in the Hastings College Football Stadium parking lot. That service will begin at 5.30 p.m. We invite you to arrive starting at 5 p.m., uh, no earlier than that. And as you come in the parking lot, we'll hand you a battery-operated candle and a bulletin. We also have uh, activity packs for the kids. And we'll get the cars all situated in the parking lot. And then you'll tune your radio to 1550 AM and participate in the service. If you can't get out of your house on Christmas Eve, you can tune your radio to 1550 AM as well. If you live in the Hastings area, if you don't live in the Hastings area, you can watch us on Facebook Live. Our tech team, our amazing, amazing volunteer tech team is going to both Facebook Live this as well as broadcast it live over the radio. So we're very, very excited for this uh, drive-in Christmas Eve service. We're inviting the whole community. We recognize some churches may be meeting in person for Christmas Eve, others may not. Here's your opportunity to do a Christmas Eve service with some beloved, beloved Christmas traditions, including a candlelit silent night. So that's that's exciting stuff. Um, I think we've covered a lot. Anything else we need to talk about? I don't really think so. They know about the Advent devotional and the five for five. Uh, folks, we have been <clears throat> rebroadcasting past cantatas. Uh, folks can 
be on the lookout for those. There was um, information about that in the bulletin and the newsletter. People can call the church office if they are looking for how they can find those. Um, I think that covers pretty much everything. So, um, Greg, would you like to close us in prayer? I would love to close us in prayer. Let's let's pray, friends. Gracious and loving God, the word on my lips this morning is thank you. Thank you for the people that you have brought to First Presbyterian Church to be part of this church family. Today, particularly, I'm thankful for Damon and Kylie, for the gifts that they bring to the leadership of our church. We thank you for Kylie and her gift of asking good questions. Thank you for the way she applies that to helping us all grow in our faith and our spiritual life and nurture and particularly in our relationship with you, oh God. We thank you for all of the folks who contributed to the Advent devotional. It's a joy to be able to open that up each day and read a prayer written by a beloved member of our family of faith or a group somewhere in the church. Thank you for Damon, for his, his gift of convening that and curating that and putting that all together. Above all, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son, whose birth we will celebrate here in just a week and a half. Thank you for what all of that means, for God coming to earth as Emmanuel, for the indwelling of God with God's people, for the lessons that Jesus taught us in his time on earth and the lessons that we continue to learn through God's holy word. Bless our time together. Bless those who have listened to this podcast that they may go out in this week and continue to grow in their faith and their relationship with you, O Lord. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks uh, to everyone for, for joining. And until next time, toodaloo.